please stand. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. It starts in a strange place. I'm talking about the American movie classic, Star Wars. And I mean the original Star Wars, okay? The good ones, right? In that first of the original Star Wars, it kind of starts in a strange place. You have just that, those first words that flash up on the screen in a, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then you get a little bit of explanation of what's going on, but then straight away, what do you see? Well, there's this little ship that goes flying past, pew, and then pew, 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 a great big star destroyer enters the screen. And I don't know about you, but anytime I happen to find that on TV, I'm all in right at that moment, right? It just sucks you right in. But it's kind of a strange place for it to start. It doesn't give you a whole lot of explanation about what's happened before and, and all. It just gets right into the action. It just hurdles you right into the midst of it. And in fact, you might be surprised to learn that George Lucas, in preparing this movie, and I am just totally nerding out on you. Just bear with me. There's a, there's a reason for it. He's drawing on an ancient tradition of storytelling, which is this idea that you start a story in media race. It's a Latin term, in media race, which means in the middle of things. This goes back at least to Homer, not Simpsons Homer, but Odyssey, Iliad, Homer, that you start the story in the middle of things, right in the middle of, of the action. And then you might draw back, you might give some flashbacks and give that context, but by thrusting you into the middle of the action, it's like a highlighter on the history. You're showing this is the reason we're here, right? Straight away, you understand there's a lot going on here. There's a lot at stake. In Star Wars, it's the little guy, the underdog, the rebellion, which is trying to fight back against uh, the, the awful uh, you know, Darth Vader and all of the evil foes of the universe, the galaxy. And you're like, okay, we're here for this story. Okay, so why this initial foray into pastor's nerddom? Uh, because when we think about how stories can start in a strange place, we have something similar with today, with today's gospel and the beginning of the church year. It starts in kind of a strange place, not with the promises of the, the baby to be born in Bethlehem, but instead we have the grown man, Jesus, atop his donkey, entering into Jerusalem. It's like we get fast forwarded already into Holy Week and Palm Sunday. Why would we start in this strange place? See, we're starting in media race, in the middle of things so that you and I can see right from the very get-go what's at stake in this story. It's a highlighter to history for us to see the reason that we are here. And the reason that we are here is the one who was to come, our coming king. And that's what we see in today's text in particular. Jesus, the coming king. And from our text, we can see at least three reasons why Jesus as the coming king was good news for the people of God then and is good news for the people of God today. 
Those three reasons that I want to lift up from our gospel reading are this. Return, reconciliation, and renewal. So first of all, return. Return. Now Luke, you read all the different gospels and they all bring something different to the table. But Luke especially is so detailed. And he makes sure that he includes the details that he wants. In many cases, even his geography can convey theology. And so it is here in this text where there's a particular detail I want to draw your attention to. Twice, Luke makes a point to mention that Jesus is coming down from the Mount of Olives. He's coming down the Mount of Olives. Now, why would that matter other than just a a bare recitation of the facts of what actually happened? Well, this goes back to the history of the kingship in Israel. Several hundreds of years before the time of our Lord Jesus, you remember the greatest of Israel's kings, King David. Well, King David, when we think about him in history, King David was just striving from victory unto victory, and he was universally acclaimed and constantly loved, but that wasn't the case. As David got older in his kingship, actually, he started to fall out of favor with the Israelites. His opinion polls started to go way down. And meanwhile, he had this upstart son, a guy by the name of Absalom. And Absalom was charismatic, and he seemed like this guy could be a a fitting um, heir to David's throne. Problem with Absalom is he was like your prototypical prodigal son. He was rebelling against his father. He was even rebelling against the Lord. And so he becomes something of a usurper. He decides that he's, he, he hatches his plan of how he is going to overtake the throne, kick his own dad, David, out of the kingship. And so what's going to happen? Well, David's no fool. He can read the writing on the wall. He sees where this is going. And he doesn't want to be tossed out by his own son from the throne. And so what does David do? Something that was unprecedented among the people of Israel. He gets up. And he leaves. He exiles himself from the throne of Israel. And the story is recounted. It's it's really kind of sad and tragic. He leaves shamefaced, barefoot, weeping. And as he goes out of Israel, which way does he go? What route does he take? But the text tells us specifically that he went out on the Mount of Olives. And there, as he gets to the crest of the Mount of Olives, as uh, his few loyal supporters are with him, they're weeping too. One of them, a guy by the name of Ziba, gives him a donkey, a little wine and some food, and sends him away. Now, David would ultimately return to the kingship. But even still, there was this lingering hope and idea among the Israelites that ultimately, when David's faithful son comes, when we have a return of the kingship of Israel, when, it's, when God's royal reign and rule returns to come for us once again, when the Messiah comes, he's going to come just as David left, by way of the Mount of Olives, and as the prophet Zechariah tells us, on the back of a donkey. So when Jesus comes in on that first Palm Sunday in the text we hear today, and he comes, and Luke tells us, down the Mount of Olives, riding atop a donkey, the meaning would have been unmistakable for those who were first there, to see it with their own eyes. This means the return of God's reign and rule to Jerusalem. That when Jesus comes in that way and in that place, we need to see this is the king that we've been waiting for. 
And not only that, our Lord Jesus, who carries out, who completes his mission outside of Jerusalem, when he then is ready to ascend to the right hand of the Father, to his enthronement, as it were, where does he do it? On the Mount of Olives. That's our king who has come, who returned and brought in, who ushered forth the royal reign of God and who still comes as king to you and me, returns to us day by day, week by week, as we await his coming again. It's the first reason why this was good news of Jesus as the coming king. It's that return of the royal reign and rule of God. Secondly, it's about reconciliation. This coming king is good news because there is reconciliation. Now, with each of the gospel writers, as they recount Jesus' coming into Jerusalem, this triumphal entry, as we call it, each one of them uh, also records the words of the crowds as they are crying out as Jesus comes in. And they all say, Hosanna to the king! Hosanna in the highest! But Luke also includes something else that the crowds said. He's the only one to include this, and that is the word of peace. Peace. Hosanna to the coming king, glory in the highest, and peace in heaven. Now, if those words sound kind of familiar to you, they should. It's an inverted echo from the beginning of our Lord's life and ministry, the the Christmas story, right? And there's that song of the angels, glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth, goodwill to men. Now here, at the end of Jesus' ministry, as he finishes his course, his life is bracketed by this proclamation of peace. At the beginning, that uh, announcement of peace on earth, and here at the end, peace in heaven. His whole life bracketed by the shalom of God. And Luke showing us that this is what the Lord's life and mission is all about. About joining together earth and heaven, reconciling all things In himself. The coming king brings that reconciliation, the interlocking once again of heaven and earth. And how does this echo continue to resonate for us today? Why is this good news for us today? Well, there's so many ways that we could talk about this. But I think, especially in our day and age and the times that we're living in, we just have to look around and see how fractured our world is, how broken it is. I mean, how was your Thanksgiving? Were the conversations good around the table? Or was was there a sense like, okay, there's things we just shouldn't talk about right here. Like even within the family, you feel that brokenness, that fracturing in our world. Look, our coming king has come to reconcile all things, to rejoin heaven and earth, and to enlist you and me to be his peacemakers, to be his instruments of shalom. I often like to cite the famous uh, prayer from St. Francis who says, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. So we are instruments of his peace, the coming king who has brought his reconciliation between heaven and and earth. So, this coming king is good news because he brings that reconciliation, because he is the return of God's royal reign and rule. But then finally, because also it means the renewal, the renewal of all creation. Maybe the word that stood out to you from the reading was the last one. As Jesus makes this 
poetic and kind of ambiguous statement. He says, if these were quiet, the very stones would cry out. The stones would cry out. Is this just hyperbole? Is Jesus just saying, hey, look, no matter what, the mission is going to go on, that the proclamation of the gospel will persist? I think that's part of it. But there's even more to it. For one thing, stones in the ancient world at Jesus' time were metaphorical for the Gentiles, for those who are outside of the people of God. You remember John the Baptist in a reading that we're going to hear in coming weeks. He says, look, God can from these stones raise up children for Abraham. What he's talking about is from the Gentiles, from those who are outside the, the approved people of God, that now the mission of God and his blessing is extending to all people. The very stones will cry out because now God's love has extended to all nations to gather them into his one people of God. But also, I think Jesus means this quite literally, that the creation itself joins in praising and acclaiming its coming king. We have this, this theme throughout the scriptures and especially in the Psalms. For instance, Psalm 96 says, Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. Some have said this was an inspiration for J.R. Tolkien in The Lord of the Rings with the, the living trees, but I've already nerded out on you enough. I don't need to go to Lord of the Rings, too. Uh, <clears throat> All creation summoned to praise its risen and coming king. And I can't help but think in this time of year also of the, the wonderful words of our Christmas carol, Joy to the World, where we say, And heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While what? Fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. See, this coming king means nothing less than the renewal of the whole physical creation so that even the stones will stomp their feet, even the trees will clap their hands, all creation will join that heavenly and celestial and terrestrial, terrestrial choir. We'll just pretend that's the right word. All creation joined to praise our king. It's good news for you and me that Christ Jesus is the king who comes, the return of God's reign and rule, the reconciliation of heaven and earth, and the renewal of all creation. But I want to end where we started, back with Star Wars once again, and thinking about how, you know, the full title of that first movie is Star Wars. Come on, fellow nerds, what's the full title? A New Hope. I know a couple. You didn't want to admit it in church. Fair enough. Star Wars, A New Hope. But that ultimately is what this season and what the coming of our Savior is all about. It's what we need right now and what we receive in Christ Jesus. A new hope from the King who comes in the middle, in media race. The king who comes not on the outskirts of your life, not in the suburbs of salvation, but who meets you right in the midst of your mess and muddle, right amid the anxieties and the uncertainties that you are feeling and experiencing right now. 
whether you're dealing with a, a new job, having lost work in COVID, and now you're trying to start something new and wondering, what do I do with this? Feeling like you're just dealing with trying to wrestle with what does it mean to be in the middle of a, of a pandemic and trying to struggle to get by day by day, whether you're in the, the middle of, of health difficulties or relationship difficulties, whatever muck or mess you find yourself in right now, that's where Christ Jesus meets you, right in media race, in the middle, even as he met you in the middle at your baptism when he claimed you and called you that you might be his own and live under him in his kingdom. And he meets you and me in media race in the middle here, in his very body and blood, here in the midst of the assembly. That's always how our Lord is operating, the coming king who meets us in the middle. It might feel sometimes like our Lord is distant, that the life and times of Jesus were a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But take heart, it's not the case. Jesus meets you right in the middle, right where you and I are and brings a new hope. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to sing our offertory, Create in me a clean heart, O God. <clears throat>